Okay, we're uh, marching on, handling emotions well. I want uh, to think about this morning, uh, particularly negative emotions. How do we handle uh, negative emotions? I mean, sometimes, of course, we need help handling positive emotions uh, too. Emotions are, uh, wherever we are or wherever we might think we are on the kind of emotional scale, very strong forces in our lives. Maybe you're coming this morning and think, I'm just not an emotional type. You expend quite a bit of energy uh, not being an emotional type. If you're a very emotional person, then you spend quite a lot of energy being very emotional. It pulls our strings wherever we are on the spectrum. And uh, we need help both with positive emotions and negative emotions. Christians, of course, need help with positive emotions. This is a a Christian worshipping full of exuberant joy. (laughs) Someone's just come to Christ and there's a party in heaven. This is a Christian. You know, so we need help with positive emotions uh, as well as negative ones. But it's the negative ones that we just spend uh, just a few minutes this morning uh, just uh, thinking about because they're the ones perhaps that readily come to mind when we talk about uh, how do we handle emotions. Many people feel lonely. The myth is that if you're in a relationship, then you don't feel lonely, and you're out of a relationship, you do. Well, if you're out of a relationship, you're wishing you were in one to stop that loneliness, and if you're in one, you're thinking, crikey, what is the answer to this? Because I'm in a relationship, and I still feel lonely. Many people feel lonely. Many people feel that they're not good enough, whatever enough looks like. Others still, that they're not particularly liked or loved. Others feel depressed or just down or, or anxious. Others that they can't achieve anything that they think is worth real value. Uh, Others feel that, uh, well, in a world of somebodies, in a world of celebrities, they're just nobodies. uh, Or they just live with the nagging doubt that somehow they are less than everybody else. Uh, And people feel like that right across the economic, social divides, any other kind of divides that we'd put up in our world and in our day. Being uh, successful does little to cut through these kind of emotional feelings. So there are many people who feel like that, and then there are Christians who feel lonely, and sometimes that they're not good enough, and that they're not particularly liked or loved, and there are Christians that feel uh, depressed or down or anxious and can't achieve anything, and that in a world of somebodies, they're really not much anyway, and uh, if God was going to choose someone, that he'd be, uh, or, or you, he or she would be uh, last in, in, in the list. And feeling like that as a Christian somehow seems to make it so much worse, because you're not supposed to feel like that as a Christian, are you? Well, who told you? But anyway, uh, we all buy into this myth that we're not supposed to feel like that because we're uh, Christians, and because you're not supposed to feel like it because you're a Christian, you can't really talk about it or be honest about it, so you think, well, I I can do one of two things. I'll beat this. I'll beat this feeling. So I'll pray harder, I'll read the Bible more, I'll get more involved in church. All really good things and all necessary to help you grow, but somehow the harder you strive at those kind of stuff, the feelings never quite seem to go away. Maybe you manage to manage them once in a while, but then they sort of keep seeing to pop it back up to the surface. Never quite go away. And lots of energy, lots of emotional energy is spent on just trying to put those feelings to one side somewhere. So maybe I can't beat it. Maybe reading the Bible and praying harder and turning up at church every week, maybe I can't beat it. So I'll um, learn to live with it. But I won't tell anyone, because I can't tell anyone, because I'm a Christian, and I'm not supposed to feel like that if I'm a Christian. No wonder we feel alone. 
And so we wrap ourselves up in all this claptrap about our emotional states. And uh, sometimes it traps us. We're just stuck. We feel rubbish, can't tell anyone, because I'd feel even more rubbish if I admitted that I felt rubbish. And I'm not supposed to anyway. We've been asking and digging deeper over this last year. Do I have to feel like that? Do I? Do I, do I have to feel like that? No. No, I don't think uh, you do. I don't think I do. Because, and, and we're going to begin with God's word, because God's word is God's word, and any other words are just human words. So if we begin with God's word in the Bible, uh, uh, the Bible says in, in a very famous passage, back uh, uh, in the middle of a book somewhere, it called, uh, a book called the Psalms, he restores my soul. So the bits of me that feel rubbish, all disjointed, feel like they don't add up, feel like they don't make sense, he restores my soul. So I have an, an immediate choice, do I accept how I'm feeling or do I begin to listen to what God might be saying that it could just possibly, ever so slightly, maybe, if the wind was in a fair direction, be possible for my soul to be restored? And then we have those verses that we kind of use at the beginning of this uh, series about uh, if Jesus sets you free, you shall be free indeed. But I feel so bound. I don't feel very free. And Jesus talked about being the light of the world, but inside my head and inside my heart it's quite dark, actually a lot of the time, if the truth be told, if I'm honest enough about it to myself, let alone anybody else. And yet the Bible's full of these kind of fantastic promises that somehow the, the light of life should be in me, but it seems quite bleak and quite dark. And uh... So I, I then have this choice all over again. Well, do I believe God's word or do I believe how I feel? Is God's word true or is how I feel true? Or, or is, uh, is it that God's word is true for everybody else but it's not true for me? We're going to sing for a moment, all right? It's a very simple song. He is Lord, he is Lord, he's risen from the dead and he is Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Bit harder to sing, He's my Lord. He's my Lord. He's my Lord. Risen from the dead. He is risen from the dead. And He's my Lord. Every shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So we have a choice, don't we? Do we believe those words that we say are God's words, or do I believe how I feel? I nearly forgot to ask you to sit down. I don't mind, I've got to stand up through this bit, so I don't see why you should have. You can sit down now if you like, or you can stand up with me as a kind of support, solidarity, do you know? Simon was standing with you uh, in this. 
but it, it just gives us a choice uh, about, uh, uh, you know, what's going to be the bottom line here? What's going to be the bottom line? And for too long, and for too long in my life, and therefore I'm going to dare to say in your life, for too long in our lives, the bottom line has been not what God says, but how we've ended up feeling. Bottom line has been not what God says, but how we've ended up feeling. And we spend loads of energy then on trying to handle these emotions, these feelings that we don't want to have and we wish we didn't have and we feel guilty for having and we know that perhaps we shouldn't have. And the Bible writes these great promises. I'm coming to you now, said Jesus, so that you may have the full measure of my joy. The full measure of my joy. What does that look like? I don't think it looks like that. That my joy might be in you and my joy might overflow, it says. And then it goes, a little bit later on, Jesus said, hey, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. I meet lots of troubled hearts. Sometimes my heart is troubled. Jesus talked about peace. And I have to say, so that, that's really, that's the bottom line. Are we going to go, are we going to sort of uh, uh, reach for what God is saying here in these difficult areas in our lives? Or are we going to stick with what we know, even though we know it doesn't make sense and we know it doesn't add up and we know it doesn't seem right? My experience has been that as we let God into those places, he brings a, a, a fundamental transforming change. And that's just what I, uh, just for a few moments, uh, uh, want to lead you to think about. See, what are our emotions? I mean, what are they? And kind of what are they, what are they, what are they doing? Your emotions are to your soul, or this is one way of thinking about it, your emotions are to your soul what your ability to feel pain is to your body. If you have the, the dreaded uh, skin disease of, of leprosy, which was thought to be a disease of the flesh, but uh, more truthfully it's a disease of the nervous system so that you cannot touch or feel anymore, the problem with that is that because lepers can no longer feel pain, their fingers drop off because they leave them in fires or because they uh, are, are gnawed by rats when they are asleep in poverty-stricken parts of our world. They just don't feel it. And because they have no feeling, then they do all these bad things to themselves and before they know it, and you and I would be the same, within weeks of this disease, we would have scars all over our bodies. Because the pain that I feel when something is coming against me helps me to be alert, to protect myself, to look after myself. Emotional pain is not much different. Why is it there? And sometimes with emotional pain, we kind of go, oh, well, it's just, it's just there. And, uh, and we accept that they're there and this, this pain, this emotional pain becomes debilitating in my life. But I never get further than the fact that it's just there. But I tell you, if, if, if for a moment this morning my arm starts to hurt and by mid-afternoon I'm in a lot of pain down my arm, I don't think, oh, it's just there. I want to know why it's there. What's wrong with my arm? What's going on with my body? Because I'm going to jolly well fix it and put it right. Why? To get rid of the pain so the pain will not be there. But more importantly still, because the pain was a sign that something wasn't quite straight. We're tracking. So our emotional pain, a sign that something isn't quite straight, a pointer. 
And if you're carrying a lot of pain this morning, it's a sign, whatever type of pain it is, that something isn't quite straight. So how do we handle that pain? How do we respond? Are we ready to go on a journey that says, I'm going to find out why that pain's there because it's pointing to something. It's there for uh, a reason. You see, if you like Uh, it's like a a warning light on the dashboard of your car, your emotional pain. It's flashing at you or it's just there. It's telling you something is wrong. There are certain lights that come up on your dashboard and, uh, and you haven't seen it before and you look in the manual. And what you want to know, first of all, is that a warning light? Or is it just that, you know, the, I don't know, whatever, your, your, your windscreen washers run out of fluid or something? Is it a warning light? Is it that something is is potentially dangerous happening? Emotional pain is like that warning light, but we can do a number of things, just like we can with the light on our dashboard. We can cover it up. We can ignore it. We can pretend it isn't there. We can stick a Burlington Baptist sticker over the red light so we don't see it anymore and drive happily on to church. It's okay, I can't see it. You know, that's what children do, don't they? Just, I can't see it, therefore it doesn't exist. It's not happening. And we can do that with emotional pain. I'm just not listening to it. So we suppress it, we cover it up. Or we just get mad with it. And you, you, you explode. You, you just get angry. Oh, this car and stuff. And you shout and you slam, and you slam the door and the windscreen shatters because you slam it so hard. And you're, you're just a oh, huge overreaction. Or you just go, no, there's a warning there. I have to do something about that that's telling me something. I'm stupid if I do not pay attention to what that little light is telling me. Maybe you've got a little bit of emotional pain, a big lot of emotional it's, Hey, it's just telling you something. It's just saying something about the fact things perhaps aren't all straight with you right now. I don't know, which one of these do you, do you fancy doing? The, do, I mean, are you into covering it up? Is that, your, uh, is that your general approach to the pain? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm going to cover it up. The Bible talks about a king who was a very godly king, but he made several mistakes in his life. And one of the mistakes that he made, this is King David, he thought that he could cover a few things up. And he made a bit of a hash of a few choices and stuff, and he's getting himself in a right pickle, and his emotional pain was beginning to scream at him, beginning to say, David, things aren't lining up with you anymore. But he didn't listen. He decided to cover it up. And I just want to read some verses from Psalm 32 about, he's thinking now, it's, it's years ahead, and he's looking back, and he's describing what it was like when he was covering uh, stuff up. And uh, verse, uh, verse 3 and 6 of Psalm 32. When I kept silence, when I acted as if this pain, this, this thing wasn't happening, when I was in denial about the sin, the things I'd been involved in, he said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. God, uh, David is saying, I I, I just tried to ignore it. I tried to push it away. But it began to affect the way I felt on the inside. And then a few chapters later, he writes about it again. He says, when I was uh, silent and still, uh, uh, I I, I was squashed. My strength, it says, was sapped as in the heat of summer. So he said, I became all weak and feeble. What was going on? I can't 
He was pushing the message of his pain away. And he says it just made him weaker and weaker and weaker. And that's what happens, isn't it? If we bury things, if we, if we ignore the warning light, if, if you're in some kind of distress and you just ignore it, you don't deal with what's causing it, you don't look at why it's there, just push it down. It's a bit like a mold, you know, just pop up somewhere else in a different kind of way. And these things do pop up in our lives in different ways. And sometimes they, they pop up in our lives and, and make us just feel rubbish. And we, and we just feel like we're somehow less than everybody else. We just pushed all this junk down inside us and it just made us feel rotten. Or it makes us strive even more for, for perfectionism. I'm going to prove to myself that I'm not as rubbish as I'm now feeling. So I'm going to go all out to, to kind of raise the bar of my life. The trouble with that is you, you never reach high enough to make you feel any uh, better. Let me read a story that may resonate with some of you in different ways and for different reasons. Some years ago, David Siemens writes, I received a telephone call from the wife of a minister friend of mine asking me to counsel her husband who just suffered a complete nervous breakdown. As we were driving to the hospital, she began to talk about him. I just don't understand, Bill. It's almost as if, uh, I just don't understand Bill, it's almost as if he is a built-in slave drive that won't let him go. He can't relax, can't let down, he's always overworking, his people just love him, and they would do anything for him, but he can't let them. He's gone on and on like this for so many years that finally he is broken completely. David Simmons writes, I began to visit Bill, and after he was well enough to talk, he shared with me about his home and his childhood. As Bill grew up, he wanted very much to please his parents. He tried to win his mother's approval by occasionally helping her set the table. But she'd say, Bill, you've got the knives in the wrong places. So he'd put the knives in the right places. Now you've got the forks wrong. After that, it would be the salad plates. He could never please her. Try as hard as he might, he could never please his father either. He brought home his report card with B's and C's. His dad looked at the card and said, Bill, if you think... Uh, I think if you try, you could surely get all B's, B's, couldn't you? So he studied harder and harder until one day he brought home all B's. What did his dad say? But surely you know if you just put in a little more effort, you could have got all A's. So he worked and struggled through a semester or two until finally he got all A's. He was so excited now that his mother and father would be really proud of him. He rushed home with his card full of A's and his dad looked at the report card and said, well, I know those teachers, they always give A's these days. And when Bill became a minister, all he did was exchange one mother and father for several hundred of them. I know how he feels. His congregation became his unpleasant parents. He could never satisfy them. No matter what he did, finally he just collapsed under the sheer weight of struggling for approval and trying to prove himself. You get the idea, don't you? And, and some of us have got that pain screaming inside of us. And we're trying to make it better, and we're trying to make it better, and we're trying to make it better, and for all the effort, it's just not quite working. So, uh, give up on the cover-up. Let's, let's, let's be done with that. Let's try the next. Give up on this explosion one. This causes trouble all around. We all know people that explode with their emotions, don't we? And it's not just anger. All kinds of different ways. People uh, explode with their emotions. They become very sensitive, super sensitive people. And, uh, and it's hard for them and it's hard to live around them when they become so sensitive to what's going on and what people are saying to them. Did you hear about the man who was so super sensitive that he stopped going to the football? Every time the team got into a huddle, he thought they were talking about him. <laughs> but it's no joke. It's no joke feeling super sensitive. 
And it's no joke living with people who are super sensitive. It's hard. Lots of effort. Lots of emotional energy. Goes into dealing with this pain. Hey, there must be a better way. Why not let's just think about what the pain's there for? Why is it there anyway? If my arm was hurting, I'd want to know what was wrong with my arm to make it hurt. Hey, if I'm experiencing emotional pain, what, why aren't I quite straight at the moment? What's causing that pain in my life? There's the be honest option. I want to say to you today, be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest because God already knows and you can't fool him anyway. Be honest because the Bible says he's close. God is very close to broken hearts. Very close to broken hearts. That Jesus said, my ministry is a bit like this. I've come to bind up, to heal up the broken hearted and to offer freedom to those who are feeling oppressed. Be honest, God's really close to the broken uh, hearted. And be honest because God knows exactly what's not straight that's causing this pain. And as we said on the maturity course yesterday, there's nothing, there's nothing in your life that's beyond God's power. Nothing. And there's nothing too small that it's overlooked by his love. So everything, everything is fixable in God's kingdom. He made us after all. He knows us inside out. I just want to leave this challenge with you this morning. Would you dare, would you dare to be honest with God about what's not straight, about what's causing that pain that you know? I'm going to read you a poem, and then Heather's going to come and lead us. Once I held in my tightly clenched fist, fist ashes, ashes from a burn that flickered upon my ten-year-old body, ashes I didn't ask for. The scar was forced on me, and for 17 years the fire smouldered. I kept my fist closed in secret, hating those ashes, yet unwilling to release them, not sure if I should, not convinced that it was worth it, marring the things that I touched and leaving black marks everywhere or so it seemed. I tried to undo it all, but the ashes were always there to remind me that I couldn't. I really could not, but God could. His sweet Holy Spirit spoke to my heart one night in tearful desperation, he whispered, I want to give you beauty for ashes, oil of joy for your mourning, a garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. I had never heard of such a deal as this. Beauty for ashes, my sadly stained memory for the healing in his word, my suit-like dreams for his songs in the night, my helpless and hurting emotions for his ever-constant peace. How could I be so stubborn as to refuse an offer such as this? So willingly, yet in slow motion, and yes, sobbing, I opened my bent fingers and let the ashes drop to the ground. In silence I heard the wind blow them away, away from me forever. I'm now able to place my open hands gently around the fist of another hurting soul and say with confidence, let them go. There really is beauty beyond your comprehension.